This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses, and we learn how they overcame them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson, and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Amanda Hamilton. Welcome, Amanda, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Amanda is the founder of Hamilton Ray, your outsourced admin, which provides remote administrative support to startup organizations and businesses. Prior to this, she worked in corporate retail, learning best practices for staying organized, managing changing priorities, and finding efficiencies to reduce workload. Amanda saw an opportunity to provide executive assistance services to maximize productivity at a fraction of the cost of a full-time employee. Amanda, I wonder if you might share with our listeners a bit about your entrepreneurial journey, which began with in corporate for 10 years. So I started out working in corporate retail for right out of college in 2008. And I worked in production and sourcing. Um, So I worked there for 10 years. And then I was kind of in a burnout phase. I was just feeling unfulfilled in life in general. And so I made the decision to leave my job. I didn't have a job at the time. So I was trying to figure out what was next for me. And as I was figuring that out, I worked a bunch of odd jobs. And I think sometimes this is can be kind of standard for an entrepreneur, but I, you know, I was working the front desk at Orange Theory. I was a stitch fix stylist and I had actually found an interesting opportunity um, with a remote business as a virtual assistant with an agency out of Georgia. And I worked there for a period of time. And as I was working there, I really realized that the experience that I had in my corporate life, I could bring a lot of that productivity, efficiency, a lot of that I had learned on just organization, project management to small businesses um, from an executive administrative level. And so while kind of maintaining that remote experience. And so that's when I decided to kind of elevate my thinking and really bringing your outsourced admin into play um, and providing that fractional executive assistant for small to mid-sized businesses. And one thing that we've realized even, you know, we've always targeted that small to mid-sized business, but we have even found that larger businesses can leverage us just, especially for those leaders that might not have a need for a full-time admin. And so that's, um, I think that there's a lot of growth opportunity there as well. And tell me a little bit about your business um, and where are you with pre-revenue? Our business, in terms of revenue, pre-revenue, where where we were, um, I, I think one of the things pre-revenue, it's, I guess it's it's all hands on deck in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Really trying to figure out how to grow, grow enough that you can then move into the scaling period. So, I would say in throughout those times, because um, I'm definitely in a phase now where we're scaling, um, mm-hmm. but pre. Pre-revenue, we were, I was really using every dollar for dollar to grow. And so mm-hmm. I was identifying, okay, what was next? What was the priority? And one of the reasons I was work, I worked a lot of odd jobs kind of was to make sure that I was able to pay my bills mm-hmm. <laughs> while, you know, using every dollar I had to grow and scale and 
whatever that might be, either a new tool to make us more efficient. That was something I really realized is what could you use to optimize your time, not only internally on our side, but also benefiting our clients. And so that's something that we even still today are really focused on. It's like, mm-hmm. how can we make sure that we're optimizing our time to then value, provide more value for our clients? Let me ask you, leaving a secure, consistent paycheck like you had in corporate must have come along with some risk. And how did, if so, and how did you manage that? That is such a good question. And it's, a lot of risk, definitely. And it's funny, I still laugh about it with my parents to this day, but I actually, when I was um, leaving my job, I decided I should, I needed somewhere to live. I was moving to a new city and I decided, oh, well, I'm going to be leaving this job. I'm going to buy a house mm-hmm. because I can get, you know, a mortgage approved while I'm, you know, working full time still. So I did that, which in hindsight, it was definitely a risk. That was a huge risk. Um, but I think doing that it actually gave me a little bit more push because I had a lot more on the line. And I think, you know, and and every risk there's reward. So I always knew that I could go back to working for someone else. That was something that was always in my back pocket, not something that ideally I wanted to do. You know, it's so interesting to think about risk versus reward. It was definitely very uncomfortable, but I think one of the things that I think that every entrepreneur needs is a really solid support system. You know, my sister and brother-in-law about a year prior to me, you know, moving into my own business had started their own business. And so they had already, you know, gone through a lot of different hiccups along the way and they knew that the outcome could be really great. And so Mm -hmm. I think having that support system was extremely beneficial because they were able to make sure that I, you know, had a shoulder to cry on if I needed to, <laughs> especially in those moments, but also reminding me that I was just a, a step in the journey and that eventually I would be in a really healthy place as long as I kind of maintained my focus. It sounds like you also put a lot on the line by simply leaving corporate and didn't have a, a sort of a clear idea of what you were going to do next. So safe to say that um, long term, you've had not a taste for risk, but could make it okay for you, kind of push you to the to the next limit. Yeah, I you know one thing that I have always realized, and this is definitely not something that hasn't come over time of being comfortable with. It's no matter what challenging situation is thrown my way, or honestly anyone's way, there's a solution to it. It might be extremely uncomfortable, and it might be a long journey to get to that solution, but there's always something, and it will come around, and there will be a solution involved, and that's something I remind myself regularly, even, you know, mm-hmm. challenging situations, even in the our world today, so. Right. Did you ever fear, have you ever feared that your business might fail, and if so, how do you manage this, and is risk different now than it was a year and a half ago? Very good question. Um, I do fear often. Um, I think that that can be extremely normal, especially in the early stages. I think what I fear the most, honestly, though, is having to go back to working for someone else. I have strived to really build a culture that I'm so proud of at Hamilton Ray and, you know, a culture of happiness and flexibility. And I even, my team feels that. And I think, you know, one of the biggest risks now versus risk a year and a half ago was I had a team of call it six or seven people a year and a half ago. I have a team of 27 now. And so I think my biggest fear when it comes to failure is 
not only failure for myself, but failure for my entire team, just knowing that they love coming to work. They love our clients and they really love, like I said, that culture and flexibility that I'm building. And I think it's more about that than anything for me. So, yeah, we, we talked a little bit before about how having a team of 27 in your business can also impact maybe in a good way your self-doubt. Yes, I think the the people on my team really, you know, I'll I'll have individuals reach out to me and just say like, thank you so much for, you know, everything that you do every day. And um, I love coming to work and I love the culture you're building and things like that. And, you know, I've never had direct team members as frequently reach out to me with how grateful they are. And that really, I like get emotional thinking about it. That keeps me going <laughs> very um, every day. Yes. Yeah, it's self, very, very, very self-affirming. Absolutely. Let me change uh, thoughts for a little bit. Do you feel like you fit in as an entrepreneur? Is it a comfortable place that you feel like you belong? Now? Yes. I would say a couple of years ago, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think one of the biggest challenges that I ran into, especially moving into being an entrepreneur was, you know, you go from this structured life in corporate of, especially, you know, I started there out of college and I worked there for such a long time. You wake up, I would work out, I would go to work, I would work all day, you know, do meetings. I had a, a, a list and people I reported to and et cetera, et cetera. And then you leave there and your schedule is kind of your own. You also then have to go and find business. It's not given to you. <laughs> right. And that was extremely uncomfortable for a long time. Really finding my balance and feet in the entrepreneurial world was extremely challenging at first. But I think one of the things that, and I say this to my team often, it's really like, making sure that you find the schedule that fits you and fits you well based on, you know, when you're the most productive in the day, I'm a morning person. I could get up at 6 a.m. and work until 11 and feel really good about it. But then by 2 p.m., I'm exhausted and my brain, no matter what time I wake up in the morning, is just not working from two to four. And so I think I've really come into a lot of self-awareness as an entrepreneur and really finding my footing. And so I think it's been a lot of trial and error along the way. But um, to go back to your question, it took a long time to really feel that I fit in and knowing that I had built a business of value. And um, it really just took a lot of trial and error along the way. And so you needed to have under your belt some trial and error before you felt confident, before you felt like you fit in. Yes. Yes. Okay. You talk about how it's important to you to lead yourself and not lead others. Can you talk a little bit about this drive for independence? In 2020, when the pandemic happened, I think there was a moment of realizing that in order to lead a team, you have to be able to lead yourself. Meaning, if I want my team to see me as a leader of being positive and optimistic, I have to remain that way for myself. I can't you know, have all this negative chatter and talk and then assume that my, you know, I'm not going to emulate that same type of negative self chatter to my team members. So really bringing myself up and paving away in terms of positive affirmations, things like that. But I also think making sure that wellness goes into, you know, being a leader and leading myself and making sure that I'm 
staying true to what I preach. I always say, you know, I'm always preaching, you know, work-life integration, not necessarily work-life flexibility, wellness routines, et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm not sticking to that, there's no reason I'm, you know, I got to make sure that I'm leading myself in those same aspects and not just um, preaching to a team. So in some ways, being an entrepreneur, having a team, having your own business has made you more accountable to you. I mean, I don't know, mental health wise. Yes, it definitely has. I um, I recently, back in July, started working with a therapist and I started making a lot of notes of just, you know, how could this make me a better leader? How could it make me a better entrepreneur? And it definitely has. I One of the biggest things I struggled with was loneliness as an entrepreneur. And my therapist reminded me, you know, you're not going to get over loneliness until you're comfortable with enjoying your own company. And I wish I would have realized this a long time ago. I think it would have made the entrepreneur journey a little bit easier, especially with the pandemic coming into play. But that has been a huge learning for me and something that I'm still working on. I don't think it's going to be something I will feel comfortable with overnight, but I've made a lot of strides there and will continue to. So that's definitely something I think is extremely beneficial. Taking challenges seem like it's important to you. Are there days when you think maybe you don't have what it takes And if so, what do you do on these days to kind of push through self-doubt, being overwhelmed, all the usual stuff for entrepreneurs? I always make sure that I, especially on those days, you know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and (laughs) your Mm -hmm. mind is just already in a negative place. It's, I kind of pause, reassess my day. If I have to meditate, I'm going to meditate. I think meditation can really help and can really help, you know, reset your mind. Um, But then also remembering and kind of doing a self-reflection of what are the positives in all of this and really thinking about, like I said, my team and all of the positive that I bring to them in their life and even our clients, you know, giving them back their time and their days and all the benefits that we bring them. And I think as soon as I start to really think about all of those details, I really kind of forget about that negative self-talk or, um, just that bad day or whatever it might be. But I do think meditation can really, really help in those moments, especially if you are in a challenging situation overall. I also think you talked a little bit about being very methodical in your thinking and planning. And how does that help you meet your challenges, especially on the days that maybe it's harder to meet? Being methodical and planning, you know, one of the things as an entrepreneur, your to-do list can tend to get extremely long. And it's not healthy to work, you know, 14, 16 hour days. I think that there are times when it's kind of, you have to, but I would say it should not be the norm. And so what I have really focused on and what's helped me is I read the book, The One Thing. It was something that my mentor suggested to me right in the beginning. I'm so grateful that I read it when I did. And really identifying like, what is the one thing that I have to get done? It might, it might not be just one thing, but it might be two or three, but really building out that success list out of your, I hate calling it a to-do list um, because it's really like, what do you need to do to be successful for that day, for that week, that month? And really leaning into that in my mind is most important. And that's really how I stay methodical in my thinking. Now, granted, 
there might be moments where you have to pivot <laughs> as any business should, if you have a client emergency, things like that. But if you have that success list built out and that thinking already established, it's going to be easier to pivot in those moments than feeling extremely overwhelmed and likely your attitude and your communication style is not going to be the best in maybe a higher stress period when you are having to pivot. So that's true. I think that that's really helpful. Last question, and believe it or not, we're almost at the end of our time. Would you say that your upbringing helped or hindered you becoming an entrepreneur? Such a good question. I would say it helped. You know, my mom has always instilled hard work, you know, dedication and independence in my sister and I. And, you know, she was a single mom for uh, several years. And so I think kind of watching her be a strong, independent woman really helped my sister and I to both like emulate that and really come into that as we got older. And so I don't know if, if I hadn't seen her operate in that way, if I would have kind of become who I am today. I think the independence is really what can make a successful entrepreneur because sometimes you just have to go at it alone and you don't necessarily have anybody else to support you. And if you're not comfortable with that, it's going to be a tough journey. So I think the dedication, the independence and the hard work is really that she instilled in us from honestly, the beginning, she, we would always love to go to her office and like work with her. And so on, you know, take your daughter to work day or things like that. And I think even just like little things from that young of age, probably seven or eight years old, I just loved being in that office environment. I think that really Mm -hmm. instilled something in, in me from the, from day one. Right. It sounds like it had an impact on you and something that you wanted. You don't know what exactly at seven or eight, but what you wanted. That's great. That's a wonderful way for us to end. I want to thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. And if the viewers, our viewers wanted to know a little bit more about you, how could they find you on the internet? Our website is HamiltonRay.com. You can find us on HamiltonRay.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thank you again and have a great rest of the day. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.